This is Wisconsin's Weekend Morning News with Libby Collins. And a very good morning to you. I can't believe, Wyatt, you said snow. And and tomorrow is May 1st. That can't be. That yeah, can't yeah be. Jeff Wagner keeps complaining every time I read the forecast. And yeah. I swear it's not my fault. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll... Yeah, maybe not. All right. Well, listen, uh, there's a lot to complain about this morning, especially if you're a Wisconsin sports fan. By the way, a little bit later on this morning, we're going to be joined by Matt Miller. We're also going to talk a little bit about timeshares and, uh, well, there's a senior prank that went bad. But that's later on this morning. But right now, let's go to our next guest, our first guest, I should say. And to paraphrase the late Queen Elizabeth, this has been Annis Hebdomus for Wisconsin sports fans. Brian, and for you, I don't know, Brian, did you take Latin in high school? I sure did. I actually took six years of Latin, four in high school and then two in college here in Milwaukee at Marquette, so I'm uh, well-versed. Uh, so you know about it being a horrible week. Yeah, it hasn't, hasn't been a great week, and now it's compounded by the fact that we're getting snow, apparently. That's the worst part. <laughs> no kidding. All right, so so let's start with 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 what happened with uh, with the Bucks. Oh, my gosh. And it was only in five games that they that they were eliminated. I mean, that depressed a lot of people. Yeah, it's just it, it's been a hard week. And, and starting with those Bucks, the series just seemed like it was going to head in a negative direction right from game one when Giannis took that terrible fall and hurt his back that caused him to miss the better part of the first three games of the series. And he clearly just wasn't, you know, 100% himself the entirety of the series. And that was a big part of why they lost. But still, uh, they, they had no answers for that Miami Heat star Jimmy Butler, another guy that went to Marquette, a local guy with local connections here, 56 points in game four, 42 in that closing game five. Um and, you know, it's just it's an inexcusable series loss for one of the best teams in the NBA to lose to a play in team and the eight seed in five games and have it closed out on your home floor. Then the tragic news that we get over the last couple of days that head coach Mike Budenholzer lost one of his brothers in a car accident just before that final game. It's just been a really tough week for the Bucks, And, um, you know, that that news certainly puts things in perspective, right, where we all get uh, really sad that our favorite basketball team lost a playoff series, but there are far bigger things than basketball in the world. And uh, just a tough week for the Bucks. And my heart goes out to everybody kind of associated with the organization that they can get through what's been a really challenging week. I know. It, it just, it just it was one thing being piled on top of another. And uh, another thing that happened, not as serious, obviously, but I think a lot of people now know it's real. And that's that. Aaron Rodgers is no longer a Packer. Yeah, yeah, it finally happened, right? Our long national nightmare is over. Our long <laughs> statewide nightmare is over that the, uh, the the news has finally broken and Aaron Rodgers is a New York Jet. And, you know, I, I think there's, uh, you know, a certain portion of your fan base, Libby, and certainly the Packers fan base, that feels maybe happy, excited, relieved that this thing is finally over, that they can finally move on into the next era uh, of Green Bay Packers football. That's certainly how I felt when the news went down uh, earlier this week. Um, The difficult part about that, and I think where the sadness comes, is you see Aaron Rodgers starting to move on, right? It's always weird to see a player that spent so much time in our state put on a new logo and new colors, and we saw that in his introductory press conference in New York. And then he made that weird comment about, hey, I live in a big house, and you had to reach me on FaceTime if you (laughs) wanted to reach me if you were the Packers. So that was rubbing it in. And then I think the final straw was last night, seeing him at a New York Rangers playoff hockey game, hanging out with former Packer, now New York Jet receiver Alan Lazard, uh, and some of his new teammates in a new city. We get so used to seeing him hang out at Bucks games, right, and be a part of our community. And that was kind of a slap in the face and a reality check that he is no longer here. He is there. Don't don't you think, though, that he's kind of rubbing it in? Uh, a, a little I mean, it's bit. A, there's um, some bitterness there, isn't there? Oh, undoubtedly, there is bitterness. I don't think towards the fan base at all. And that, you know, we saw that evidence in his long Instagram post, uh, an almost cheerful goodbye on Instagram to the Packers fans. But toward the organization, I definitely agree with you that there's some animosity uh, about how things went down the last four years. And he is going to use that as motivation um, come football season. If you're a Packers fan, I think the one thing you could be most upset by this week 
is the fact that he was working out with his new teammates in April, something we didn't see him do in Green Bay for the better part of the last four years, right? Like, oh, you yeah. have a new team and you want to you want to practice with the new guys well, now all of a sudden. Exactly. And that was what really got to me when he said, well, I'm going to spend as much time off-season as I can with the team. And I thought, well, you know what? Have you oh. done that here? Maybe maybe you guys would have been playing a lot better. I, okay, we've got to move on. In the draft, are you excited about the players that Green Bay has drafted? Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those situations, Libby, where they didn't take a whole lot of immediate impact guys, at least the way, that's I, uh, the, the way I looked at it, where the first couple of picks, Lucas Van Ness feels more like a project player to me, almost like Rashawn Gary, if you're a Packers fan, where the first couple of years he was good, but then he exploded onto the scene this past year before tearing his ACL, unfortunately. I think it's going to be that type of trajectory for Lucas Van Ness as the number one pick, where maybe he are their number one pick, where maybe he gets slow out of the gates but becomes a great player. Um, and then uh, I heard Wyatt talk about uh, in his update at the top of the hour there, um, a lot of tight ends, a lot of wide receivers, right? And very seldom do those type of players – come into the league and make an impact immediately. Now, it's not to say that it can't happen, but the players that do make immediate impacts at those positions, generally speaking, are our first-round picks. I think about Jamar Chase for the Bengals or Justin Jefferson for the Minnesota Vikings. They took flyers on a lot of skill position guys that hopefully can help Jordan Love out two or three years down the road. But that's, that's the way I look at this draft is the Packers – signaled to all of us that they're in it for the long haul, and it may be two or three years before they're ready to compete for a Super Bowl again. Ah, it's a building year. All right, fi- final sure. question, Brian. Do the Packers play the Jets at all in the next couple of years? Is that is that in the future, or do you think, you know, I mean, unless they get to the playoffs or something, but is that on the schedule at all? So the Packers are going to play the Jets in the preseason this year, which will be interesting, not in the regular season, but the preseason. So we'll get an early look at Aaron Rodgers and his new teammates, which will be uh, kind of fun, and I'm sure there won't be any drama surrounding that. Will that be Um, here or there? Is that in Green Bay or is that in New Jersey? I don't know. That's a great question, and I wish I could pull it up quickly for you. Some uh, research for your fans this morning, but regardless, uh, something to look forward to. I apologize for not having that answer right off the top of my head. Um, but the Packers and Jets just played this past season at Lambeau Field. And generally speaking, uh, the, the Packers won't play teams from the AFC East uh, for four years at a time. So it'll be another four years likely before we see the Jets and the Packers play again. And if Aaron Rodgers is still playing football for the Jets in four years, I will be shocked. So unless the Packers and Jets play in the Super Bowl, it's very unlikely that we will see them play head-to-head. Very interesting. Brian from ESPN. Brian D., thank you so much for joining us this morning. Hey, happy dude, and go Brewers. They've won three in a row, so that's something to smile about. Exactly. It's 8.15 on WTMJ, 39 degrees. It's not how you start, it's how you finish for the Brew Crew. They defeat the Angels 7-5 and claim the first two games of the three-game set. Five of the first six Brewers were retired by a strikeout by Angels starter Reed Detmers, but the bats came alive in the third, highlighted by William Contreras. And now a full count to Contreras. Line drive into left field. Taylor Ward will not get to it. It gets over his head and one hops the wall. Adamas jogging around third. It's an RBI double for Contreras and a three spot for the crew here in the bottom of the third. Lane Grindle's call here on WTMJ. The Brewers would add four more runs in the fifth as well and win 7-5. to five. Manager Craig Council on the approach against the Angels starter. I thought we adjusted really well. You know, it started, we just had some good at-bats. I thought, you know, it started with Vic Caratini having a having a really good at-bat and long at-bat and drawing a walk. We got him in the stretch, and, you know, I just, just good at-bats after that. The Brewers go for the sweep today with Colin Ray on the mound. Our coverage starts at noon with Brewers warm-up for a 1-10 first pitch. Only one game in the NBA playoffs last night. The start of the Western Conference semifinals between the Suns and the Nuggets, and it was all Denver in this one. Jamal Murray collected 34 points. Nikola Jokic had 19 rebounds in a 125-107 Game 1 win. Today, you've got Game 7 between the Kings and the Warriors from Golden 1 Center in Sacramento. Tip-off at 2.30 with the winner facing the Lakers. Also at noon, the Heat have their next series at the Garden taking on the Knicks. And finally, they can exhale in Toronto. Tavares coming out, sends it in a goal. They score! They score! Holy mackerel, they score! Morgan Riley! Mo, Mo, Mo Riley! The lead!
Hearts have won it. They're going to the second round. Do you believe this? Holy Mackinac! Joe Bowen's call on Sportsnet 590 as the Toronto Maple Leafs advance out of the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs for the first time since 2004. For WTMJ Sports, I'm Dominic Catronio. Thanks a lot, Dominic. It's 819. We're up to 40 degrees. We're going to have your forecast. And also, Mark Castle, join us right after this. It's Atlanta, Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. It's 821 on WTMJ. We've got a chance of some rain showers throughout the morning. You might be getting some drizzle where you are right now. It's going to be cloudy and breezy, a high of 45 tonight. Another chance of rain and snow down to 36. Tomorrow looks like it's going to be very windy with gusts up to 40 miles per hour with more rain and, oh no, maybe a snow mix? Ugh. Uh, That high temperature tomorrow, 44. Tuesday looks partly sunny, 48 for a high. Wednesday, we're back into the 50s under mostly sunny skies. And Thursday, 55 for a high with a slight chance of a shower. Those temperatures as you're waking up around Wisconsin on this Sunday morning in Sheboygan, it's 37 degrees. Tosa has 39. Delafield's at 36. 40 degrees at WTMJ at 822. And it's time to check in with Mark Cass, the editor-in-chief of the Milwaukee Business Journal. What a lousy week for Wisconsin sports fans, yeah. Mark. I know you were at the game the other night. You talked with Vince the next morning. And, oh, the Bucks. that elimination was painful. But what I is... Think that's a good word, painful. Or maybe depressed. What do you think? My appendix hurt. <laughs> <laughs> but what's this all going to mean to the team and those businesses that are close by that were hoping yeah. for a long run this season? When I was walking home that night. I was kind of looking around. And you think about the economic impact of an NBA has on the downtown from the restaurants and the retailers, which is obvious. But think about the parking lots, all those people who make money off those games. Think about, you know, the people who sell hot dogs on the street. There's a guy doing that all the time. Mm-hmm. To just everybody in the area, the hotels who bring in all these people from from around the country to watch these games. Now we're going to not have anything after the first round. And everybody was expecting a long run. Everybody was planning for a long run. This is the first year in three or four or five years that they haven't made it out of the first round. And the economic impact, I remember in 2021, Libby, when they went to the finals, won the championship, they were talking about $3 million a game. So we lost seven, eight of those economic impacts on the city. And that hurts because these are restaurants and these are retailers who need that business, want the business. And then if you look at the team, it's a lot of lost money because think about that, 18,000 fans there for every game paying a lot of money for those seats, paying a lot of money for hot dogs and beer and shirts and all that goes along with it, along with the international attention that comes with it. I mean, you're talking about losing the opportunity for lots and lots of money, probably millions and millions of dollars of money that were lost here, both in the Bucks and all those businesses. Well, speaking of sports teams losing a <laughs> bit of a, a moneymaker, so I just put my Aaron Rodgers jersey in the back of the closet. I'm impressed. <laughs> was it a Jets jersey or was it a Packers? Which one was it? It was a Packers. I thought but... you were say you had a fire jersey now that would be impressive actually i did but anyway what does aaron going to the jets mean for the packers from a business and a brand standpoint he's been the brand for over a dozen years yeah, I mean, this one's interesting to me because the economic impact for the team is probably not as much as you might think because that place is sold out, right? It's always sold out. And if you want to hand over your tickets and not go because Aaron Rodgers left, you know what? There's 120,000 others who are on the waiting list who will eagerly grab your tickets. So there's not going to be an impact on season tickets or on ticket sales. I think where they may see a little bit is on sales of uniforms and other things. But again, in Green Bay, it's always been about the G. That's the brand as compared to each player. They've had great players over the years, and they've made money off of them. But really, it's about the G on the helmet, as they always say. And I think if you look around the area in terms of sports stores and others, there will be some impact. But I don't think it's nearly as much as you might think just because everybody knows Green Bay. They know about the team, and they want to own something that's green and gold. Well, if they buy it, they got to pay sales tax, right? <laughs> and uh, state and local officials rolled out a plan this week that could mean an additional sales tax for the city of Milwaukee and the county. Um, why do they need this, and do you think they're going to approve it? Why do they need it? Because there's a big need for money. It's a big need for more revenue in Milwaukee. There's a lot of pension obligations that have to be met over the next couple of years. There's also a need for more police officers on the street, more city workers to work on these critical needs, more infrastructure. The city and county have said we need more money from the state. We've been paying into the state for years and years and have not been receiving our fair share. There's also now the opportunity to raise this tax. 
thinking, though, okay, those people who come to Milwaukee, who live outside the area, who live outside the state, who live outside the country, who come here and visit, can help with that by paying this. Will it be approved? This will be interesting because right now, under the current proposal, it would need to go to a referendum of the voters. So voters who live in the city, voters who live in the county would get export on this. And we're talking about for the county, we're talking about 0.3 for the city. We're talking about a 2% increase. But there are some in both the county and the city who want this to be approved through the alderman and through the county board. If it gets added to a referendum, I think it's going to be a harder sell. Are we all going to approve that? Because we're all going to have to pay that. Or if it goes to the council and the board, I think it's much more likely to be approved. So this one's going to be interesting to watch over the next couple of weeks. It's vitally important to the city. The mayor has said this, the county executive said this, we need this money to survive long-term, have these services, to have more officers on the street. But will all the residents approve this? I'm not sure. Well, it looks like we are going to get some money, at least in the summer of 2024, with the Republicans coming to the city for their national convention. But you had the chance to talk with the president of Cleveland Destination this past week, David Gilbert, and they hosted the 2016 RNC. What advice did he have for Milwaukee? Very interesting discussion with him because he was there. He saw the things that went right. He saw the things that went wrong. A couple things he said. One is you got to make it not about the red, not about the blue. You got to make it all about the green. You got to make it about the money, the economic impact. Everyone has to see this event as a huge economic impact and not look at who's coming, whether you're right, whether you're left. Just don't look at that. Just look at what this can mean to our city in terms of economic impact, in terms of image, in terms of great things for the city, spending money here. He said that's really important. He said, number two, Libby, this is a chance to show off. He said it really helped their image both internally and externally. He said all the residents were very excited about this, and we're just talking up Cleveland. So all these people who came from all over the world for this convention to Cleveland left with this great impression of Cleveland and now have returned. He said that's a chance for Milwaukee. You have a chance to tell people. As all these people come in, we're talking about thousands and thousands of people outside, and we see them on the street, or we see them at the coffee shop, or we see them at a restaurant, and they ask us about Milwaukee. It's a chance to really show off Milwaukee for what we all believe it is. I believe it's a city world. Everybody should live because it's on a great lake, having a lot of fun. So he said that's a thing. And he said to enjoy it. This is a chance to be in the spotlight, international attention, help your brand long term. He talked about how in Cleveland, they got an all-star game. They've had all these huge conventions. They all came in part as a result of having the RNC. The city also released its downtown plan for the next 20 years. What are some of the key sites that you think are going to be targeted for development? Yeah, It's a draft plan, but there were a couple sites I found really interesting and got a lot of attention. One is the removal of the ramps of I-794 going through the third ward. Should those be ripped down to allow for office space, retail space, housing, green space? Kind of like we did back about 20 years ago on the northern half of downtown in the parking Fascinating. There's a lot of individuals out there who love the idea. There's others who don't. So that'll be one to watch. The other sites I thought were very interesting would be the redevelopment of one I've watched all my life, and that's MacArthur Square, the site that sits right outside the courthouse. It's kind of an underutilized site right in the heart of the city, and a chance there for some housing, maybe some green space, some sporting events going on there. And then there's also talk about the old museum site. The museum's going to have a new site in the next couple of years, what could go on there. And then the one I've covered my entire career here, I'm not going to tell you how long that is, but that's the site on North and Wisconsin, right across from the convention center, open lot. For years, it's been talked about a hotel, expand convention center, what should happen there. It's at a great site. Everything that's happened on West Wisconsin Avenue, what could happen there? What could be something that could be a huge impact on the city? So I think we're going to see a lot of interesting things over the next few years, and some of these sites are going to be really involved with that. I'm just wondering if they're going to put up more high-rises with residences facing the lake because people uh-huh. want that lake like, view. Yeah, yeah. well, I was just talking about the number under construction, which is a great thing, but I agree with you. Something in Milwaukee we have, which is we have not put a lot on our lakefront, right? It is pretty open, but the view is amazing. You're right. That's why I think the tour could be a great project because you're looking out over the lake. And every time I'm down at Harbor House or I'm walking along the lake, I'm like, this is really cool. It is an amazing view. And you'll be waving at us from the 30th floor. All right. Be, I'm always <laughs> waving at you wherever you are, Libby. I'm watching. Don't worry. Mark Cass, always great to hear from you. All right, Libby, you have a great week. Kind of scary to think Mark is always watching, isn't it? It's 829 on WTMJ. Welcome back. I'm Libby Collins. Matt Miller, he's going to be here in about 15 minutes. He's got some some more movies you might want to see at the Milwaukee Film Fest. He'll show that with us. Um, Right now, though, at 837, all aboard that magic bus. QB12 is now QB8 in NYC. Shared revenue reform and more. It's the Week in Review, sponsored by Outdoor Living Unlimited. What we do here is go back, 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 back. back. 
An overcast day in Washington, D.C. for the first Stars and Stripes honor flight of the season. We're at the Marine Corps Memorial. What an experience, Vince. Just incredible. Our vets who saw combat, as they retire, those memories seem to come back. The last third of their lives is a great time to really put that to rest. You used to ride the bus a lot, you said? Yes, I did. What changed that for you? I got a car. (laughs) (laughs) These are people who already have cars. By the thousands, they're going to be riding the bus. (laughs) And we can't afford the buses that we already have because this, though, is a magic bus. From the WTMJ Breaking News Center, uh, we've got breaking news. Greg Matzik. A deal is done. According to ESPN's Adam Schefter, Aaron Rodgers will be traded to the New York Jets. We do expect it to be done here in the next couple days. A really fun, great era of football with another Hall of Fame quarterback has now officially been ended. Today is the best sports day in Wisconsin since Boxing 6. This is a happy day. I'm fortunate to live in a beautiful house. With a beautiful The only downside is I have very limited cell service. So if you want to get a hold of me, I have to see your face. You got to FaceTime me. There's, you know, records in your phone about who called you, when, FaceTime. And there wasn't any specific FaceTimes for many of those numbers that I was looking at. A dire financial situation means the city of Milwaukee has tough decisions to make for its most expensive item, police. There are no right now real solutions. You can't cut your way to prosperity. The same week that they announced that unless we get more money, we're going to have to get rid of hundreds of firefighters and police officers and we're going to have to close libraries. What's the story? Council backs downtown Vel R. Phillips Plaza. If we need to cut the budget, I say we close every library in the city of Milwaukee and keep the cops. Nope. Allen's got to get a shot off. He doesn't get it off. The game is over, and so is the season for the number one seed in these NBA playoffs. Do you view this season as a failure? You asked me the same question last year, Eric. Do you get do you get a promotion every year on your job? No, right? So every year you work is a failure. Yes or no? No. There's no failure in sports. I don't think so. I think over the years, Giannis has been more open with me than just about any other reporter. Hundreds more potholes reported this March and April compared to 2022. The staff that we have out there, due to the demand, are being quite efficient. A new proposal taking a look at reimagining the city and its neighborhood. I'm a sucker for a good rendering. A long, long time ago. (laughs) I can still remember how that music used to make me smile. We're working very closely together to deal with the crisis in Sudan, hopefully working toward a more enduring ceasefire, cessation of hostility. Jerry Springer dined peacefully Thursday at his home in suburban Chicago. Till next time, take care of yourself and each other. Assembly Republicans today unveiling a proposal for shared revenue changes. Milwaukee County will be able to add 0.375% to its sales tax. The city of Milwaukee could raise its sales tax by 2%. Imagine that. Increased funding for our local governments. Wow. The amount that we anticipate getting doesn't even cover the inflationary costs for next year. This is an actionable step forward in making government work for the people that it serves. My goal to get money in the door as quickly as possible. The ball is moving. Things are changing. With the 13th pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, the Green Bay Packers select Lucas Finesse. I can't wait to get up in Green Bay and help this team win some games. Go Pack Go! Cleanup continues this morning after a freight train derailed in western Wisconsin. The cargo is batteries, oxygen, and paint. The response is no hazard to the public. They live here, they've got jobs, they're doing you know, they're going about their regular life, but they've also been trained to take care of things like this, and that's exactly what happened. What a week, eh? What a week. Take care of yourself and each other. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. It's 842, 40 degrees at WTMJ. Did you do a senior prank? Oh, we're going to hear about one that didn't go so well. It's all ahead on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. We're back. I don't know. Did you do a senior prank when you were in high school? I, Isaac, what about you? Did, did you do any se- senior pranks? I was at a school where they threatened you with not graduating if you did a senior prank, so Ooh. I did not. Ooh. Well, apparently at Niles or Northridge Preparatory School in Niles, they didn't have that warning for the students because this week, apparently, um, some students brought some, well, some chickens. Wyatt, you'll be interested in that. You know, if you want to walk a show. Chickens, a pig, and a steer. 
Now, everything was going well. Chickens behaved. Pig behaved. Unfortunately, the steer got loose and began running through the streets of Niles. Of course, they called the Niles police. They then had to rustle up the uh, livestock. And unfortunately for the kids, they were unmasked. And apparently the village of Niles has issued ordinance citations to these kids for curfew violation, disorderly conduct, and animal feces accumulation. They had to do some digging to find that citation, didn't they? All right, it's 846, just a minute away from Dominic and Tony on Sports, right here on WTMJ. The NFL draft has officially come and gone. The Packers with nine more picks on the final day. Rounds four through seven went like this for the green and gold. Colby Wooden, a Dean Lyman from Auburn, quarterback Sean Clifford from Penn State, wideout Dontavion Wicks from UVA, another Dean Lyman and Carl Brooks from Bowling Green, cornerback Carrington Valentine from Kentucky, kicker Anders Carlson, another Auburn Tiger, Central Michigan running back Lou Nichols, Iowa State safety Anthony Johnson Jr., and wideout Grant DeBose from Charlotte round out the draft class. On the diamond, the Brewers hosting the Angels, and a big fifth inning propels them to victory. 0-2, line drive left field. That's going to get down for a base hit. Weimer is in. Yelich around third. Here's the throw home. Yelich is safe. It's a pinch hit. Two-run single for Jesse Winker. Lane Grendel on the call here on WTMJ. The clutch knock from Winker off the bench. Balloon the lead to 6-1. to one. The Brewers would eventually win by a 7-5 to five final aided in large part by a great start from Corbin Burns. Here's manager Craig Council. I mean, I thought Corbin was just solid today. It was just a solid start. Did a nice job. Located the ball well. Ball came out well. He got ahead a little more, I thought, as much as anything. So he kind of dictated counts more tonight. Corbin earns the win after six strong innings, only allowing one run and striking out five. The Brewers finish up the series with the Angels today. First pitch at 110. Our coverage will start at noon. And to the hardwood in the NBA playoffs yesterday, only the Western Conference semifinals underway. The Suns and the Nuggets game one in Denver. All Nuggets in this one, a 125-107 final. Two games today. First at noon, it'll be the Knicks and the Heat opening the series at the Garden for their semifinal matchup. And Game 7 in Sacramento, it's the Warriors and the Kings at 2.30 on ABC. Winner will face the Lakers. I'm Dominic Catronio, WTMJ Sports. Thanks a lot, Dom. It is 849. We're up to 41 degrees at WTMJ. Matt Miller's coming up next. What did he see last night? Oh, I think, I think I'd want to see this one. It's all ahead of Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. WTMJ, W277-CV, and WKTI-HD2 Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is News Radio WTMJ, a good karma brand station. Richard, and we've got Matt Miller here from onmilwaukee.com. And you saw the Little Richard documentary last night. How was it? It was very good. It was the centerpiece selection of the Milwaukee Film Festival. They had the director, Lisa Cortez, in attendance. Uh, It's a really good documentary. Uh, Obviously, there's so much material with Little Richard. You know, there's, you know, the history of rock and roll aspect of it. There's, you know, black history and rock and roll history and how intertwined those are. Uh, his kind of flitting back and forth between his musical career and being a pastor, um, his, his history as a, as, a, as a queer man. There's just so much uh, to unpack with Little Richard, and the documentary does a really, really, really good job of it. I, it deserved to be the centerpiece selection of the festival. Did they have a lot of scenes from him performing? Because, I, I mean, that, that guy knew how, to, knew how to own a stage, Oh, absolutely. You can't have someone like that. You can't have the human flame uh, as your subject of your documentary and not really use that as the, the energy, the blood of, of your movie. And it was, it, was, it was really tremendous stuff. And I should note that, you know, I know last night was the centerpiece screening, but it will be showing again at the film festival. It does show again Thursday, May 4th at 1.30 at the Avalon. So if you missed last night's screening, it will be back. So that's good. Now, all right, so so that was the centerpiece, but what else have you seen? I mean, we talked last Sunday, and, and we were talking about 
you know, the, the beaver movie. Did you see that one, by the way? A hundred beavers? I did, I, did, I did see hundreds of beavers. It's very fun. Oh, it's okay. very fun. It's, it truly is like watching a live action, like, uh, cartoon, like watching a live action red roadrunner <laughs> and coyote. Oh, it's very entertaining. The creative creativity is out of control. Um, <laughs> I, I've seen the, the best movie I've seen all year at the Milwaukee Film Festival, actually. It's, it's called Rice Boy Sleeps. It is a Wait, what, what little, is it? Say it again. It is called Rice Boy Sleeps. Rice? Like, like, like the rice that you eat? Correct. Rice Boy Sleeps. Okay. Like passing out. Okay. Uh, and this was good yeah. because... It, it's the best movie I've seen all year. It's a story about a Korean immigrant single mother and her young child moving to Canada and kind of finding their place there, finding out who they are, uh, trying to figure out their relationship to one another. And it's just a beautiful movie. I just was really moved by it. If you like uh, Moonlight, if you liked Minari from a few years back, this movie deserves to be in conversation with those films. Just beautifully shot in, insanely tender. It is a movie that feels like you are watching somebody's memory on screen as opposed to just a movie. I, I really loved it. And that one is showing again as well during the film festival, I believe on Wednesday in the afternoon. Uh, I'd really recommend making time to see that one if, you, if you've got time and, and want to check out the film festival, which if you want to see the whole lineup, you can go to mkefilm.org. I, I was talking with Adam Roberts, one of our producers here at the station, and he said that he saw the Metropolis film with the orchestra, yeah. and he said it was phenomenal. Yeah, I, they always try to bring in one silent movie with a live orchestra, uh, because it's just such a unique experience and such a mesmerizing experience, and especially Metropolis, which I think sometimes black and white movies and especially silent movies, people can view them as kind of homework, as kind of, you know, eating your vegetables. And Metropolis is not that. Metropolis is almost a century old, but it still looks mesmerizing. It still looks insanely modern. You watch it and you're just like, how did they do the stuff they did in this movie? And then you have a live orchestra playing and it just brings that thing just to incredible life. Uh, I think they've done Metropolis three times now at the Milwaukee Film Festival over the past decade. And, you know, they could probably do it a fourth because it's just always going to be incredible to see on a big screen like that. Was there any film you've been disappointed in? Honestly, and I, I mean this genuinely, not really. Uh, I, I've seen one movie that I didn't really like, and that was called The Five Devils, uh, kind of a supernatural-tinged melodrama. And even that is less that I thought the movie was bad, and more so that I saw two other movies that were very similar that took on the topic and the genre better. So it wasn't even like, oh, this movie was bad. It's just like, oh, I've seen the better version of this movie. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, everything's been really, really good. Everything's been really solid. Uh, I, I think, you know, like I said, I, I, uh, Rice Boy Sleeps is the best movie I've seen this year and at the film festival, period. Uh, and there's some movies that, you know, uh, were, were good, maybe not great, but the average of good movies at the Milwaukee Film Festival as opposed to the rest of the year in cinemas is the, the ratio at the film festival is so much better. All right. So w what's coming up this week that it's that you're kind of excited about? So the closing night movie is going to be a real hoot. It is uh, it takes place on Thursday, May the 4th. So it's Star Wars Day. So they're closing out the festival with the documentary A Disturbance in the Force, which is a documentary about the infamous Star Wars Christmas special. Uh, I don't know. Have you ever seen the Star Wars Christmas special? You know, I think I saw. I, I, I know I've seen bits of it. I don't remember if I saw it when it actually came out. It was was like what nineteen seventy eight or yeah, seventy nine or something? It's probably for the best that you only saw dips and dabs of it. <laughs> a, a, extended exposure to the Star Wars Christmas Christmas special is not good for one's health. Notoriously terrible special, uh, and this is a documentary about how that happened and how this very bizarre piece of pop culture came to be. I'm also excited because they also will start up the virtual component of the Milwaukee Film Festival this week, starting tomorrow through the weekend. Uh, they will also be screening a bunch of the movies on virtual cinema, so if there's a movie that you missed, there's a decent chance it might be available on its virtual on Milwaukee Films virtual platform as well. 
Uh, and obviously a movie is always going to be better on the big screen, but, you know, it's better to see the movie than to never see it at all. So I, hopefully, yeah. yeah well, it's not, I, the, the Star Wars one, I, that's what I, I'd like to see. I've got homework for you, though. Okay. All right. So my husband has jury duty starting tomorrow. And oh, no. I, we were looking for something to, to watch last night. And I said, hey, there's something on Amazon called Jury Duty. And we started to watch it. And I, I got to tell you, it was laugh out loud funny. I don't think you've seen it yet. I have not. I've heard of it. And it's interesting because this isn't on Netflix. This isn't on Hulu. This isn't on any of the sexy streaming platforms. This is on like... It's on on Amazon. We saw it on Amazon, Amazon Prime. Yeah, I think it might be technically through Freebie, but yeah, either way, like this is not a show that's had like a huge. All right, there's your there's your homework. Watch an episode or two, and and let's talk about that next week because I we we watched like four last night, and it's it's very fast paced. But I I I don't want to give much away. I will let you watch it, and we can discuss it next week. Sounds like a deal. <laughs> right. And, of course, you can follow Matt, and you can read all of his articles and reviews if you go to onmilwaukee.com. Matt Miller, always great to have you here. Thanks for having me. It's 859 on WTMJ. This it- is Wisconsin's Weekend Morning News with Liddy Collins. It's just slippery enough out there, Wyatt, that you better slow it down, especially, I, w- I would assume, on those bridges and overpasses, because it was, we're, we're still at around 30, in the 30s, in some places, and you put a little rain on that, not real good. All right, so later on this hour, we're going to talk to you about some timeshare and vacation rental nightmares. You don't want to miss that. It's 908 on WTMJ. The following program, Commercial Real Estate Show, is paid for in full by Commercial Association of Realtors, Wisconsin. The advice and opinions expressed during the Commercial Real Estate Show are solely that of the hosts and guests of Commercial Real Estate Show, and not WTMJ or Good Karma Brands. Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm your host, Tracy Johnson. This show features experts who share quick insights and information on some of the commercial real estate trends and opportunities here in Wisconsin. Today, we're going to discuss retail and investment real estate in Southeast Wisconsin. Retail real estate is the most visible asset class that the average person has access to on a daily basis. Thriving retail real estate is vital for communities and serves as economic drivers. Often these assets are in prime locations. We're here today with Kevin Schmolt, Managing Director for Newmark in Wisconsin. Kevin focuses on investment sales and retail leases, working with both tenants and landlords. Kevin, thank you for being here today. Thanks for having me, Tracy. Kevin, you work in the retail and investment sales space. For those listeners who don't know exactly what that is, please give us a sense of what types of real estate and properties this includes. Yeah, that's a great question. It comes up every time that we're out to uh, dinner with friends or family. I'm a sort of boring person, but I tend to be one of the most popular people in the room at a, a gathering because everything that we do involves storefronts. So if it has a storefront, if you eat there, if you visit your doctor at a retail shopping center, when you're grocery shopping, when you're at a restaurant or picking up your coffee. That is the line of work that I'm involved with, and uh, it's my day-to-day life as a retail broker here in Wisconsin. Well, and this includes, you mentioned these these offices, but but also strip centers and malls. Malls are, are a big issue here in Wisconsin. Southeast Wisconsin used to have a number of major malls. I think it was six or seven, but that number is quickly shrinking. Why is that, and what do communities do with those well-located real estate assets? Yeah, it's so interesting. So when people hear retail broker, they often ask, you know, oh, are you involved with Mayfair Mall or Brookfield Square Mall? And quite frankly, I'm, I'm not. I haven't been as involved with some of the interior malls as some people might expect. But, you know, you bring up an interesting topic, which is the evolution of malls. And here in Milwaukee, you know, there's a lot going on. You know, for example, at Southridge Mall, Greendale is in the midst of a a major redevelopment for mixed use. You see things happening on the outlot. By example, DSW uh, is now, you know, that footprint will now be transformed for fast food restaurants, including uh, Raising Cane's. I think it was just this week that formerly the city of Racine approved a $39 million TIF to reposition Regency Mall, which will be anchored by a grocer. 
Uh, Mayfair Mall is a project that was uh, that we were involved in. I was involved last year in selling the former Boston store to the uh, happened to be the city of Wauwatosa who purchased uh, the property and is now in sort of a visioning session for what to do uh, with that asset, which was likely to become mixed use housing, retail, and other other commercial uses. And even Northridge Mall, which has been the uh, the topic of discussion in many mm-hmm. headlines recently, dormant for 20 years, is now being proposed for repositioning for industrial and warehouse. So we're seeing malls transition. And what I think is interesting is, you know, my son, he's six years old. And around the dinner table, as a retail broker would, we were discussing the news of Northridge. And we had to explain to my six-year-old son what an interior mall is or what an interior mall was. It's just not something that he has really participated with, mm-hmm. yet for all other forms of retail, be it shopping centers, the grocery store, the veterinary clinic, or his taekwondo, there's hardly a day in the week that he doesn't go to a, a retail shopping center. So you mentioned shopping centers now. These are well-located, highly visible. What are you seeing in this space, both from a tenant mix and a valuation perspective? Yeah, it's a, it's a great time and a challenging time to be in the industry as a broker. I would say my greatest challenge right now is a lack of vacancy, and that's because of some of the trends that we are all a part of as a consumer. You know, shopping centers or strip malls, as many refer to them as, used to be home to nail salons and restaurants and other types of uh, more retail-specific uses, where now... Our family is going to shopping centers to visit the vet, to visit the gym for some other type of professional service. And the shopping center market has really evolved. Uh, A few years ago where it was common to see four lease signs in the windows at most shopping centers, I think if you were to look to your left or look to your right on the way to or from your office or about your daily life, you're not going to see many signs in the windows uh, with spaces for lease. So in other words, they, people are either extending their leases when the leases come due or there's a, just a high demand because of the visibility and the, the, the well-positioned uh, nature of these different assets. Yeah, I think it's both. And I would add to that, it's also a lack of supply, given mm-hmm. some challenges that we face relative to construction costs and interest rates and, quite frankly, the lack of uh, well-located, developable sites. We're not building much retail today as it relates to shopping centers and strip centers. So it's a lack of supply and it's also an increase in demand where you saw dentists primarily focused on medical office buildings in the past. Many now prefer to have a storefront for the benefits of visibility and ease of access directly from the parking lot. So we've got some pressure from both the supply and the demand side. Well, and what's great about, you know, the, the, the nature of you know, going to a dentist or going to the, to the gym in a, in a strip center is not only the signage and the visibility, but your your ability to go to one place, you know, and, and just take care of everything at one time rather than, you know, at a mall, it's really focused on more of a retail experience. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's a benefit to the co-tenants as well when we're working with landlords and trying to develop a tenant mix. In the past, a landlord might have been adverse or hesitant to rent to a dentist. And their fears may have included the fact that that medical office isn't open on nights and weekends and, you know, dark storefronts aren't necessarily uh, a positive attribute for a shopping center. Now, a landlord, most most landlords view a medical practitioner as a benefit because they drive a different type of traffic. They're driving traffic during the day part, during the weekdays, when a nail salon might not be quite as busy, but a optician is bringing in dozens of clients per day. After the break, Kevin, we'll discuss how retail real estate has changed since COVID and what retailers you might see coming to a corner near you. I'm Tracy Johnson in with Kevin Schmolt, Managing Director for Newmark on the Commercial Real Estate Show here on WTMJ. I'm Libby Collins. It's 9.15 and in just one minute, Dominic Catroni on sports on WTMJ. It's not how you start, it's how you finish for the Brew Crew. They defeat the Angels 7-5 and claim the first two games of the three-game set. Five of the first six Brewers were retired by a strikeout by Angels starter Reed Detmers. But the bats came alive in the third, highlighted by William Contreras. And now a full count to Contreras. Line drive into left field. Taylor Ward will not get to it. It gets over his head and one hops the wall. 
Adamas jogging around third. It's an RBI double for Contreras and a three spot for the crew here in the bottom of the third. Lane Grindle's call here on WTMJ. The Brewers would add four more runs in the fifth as well and win 7-5. to five. Manager Craig Council on the approach against the Angels starter. I thought we adjusted really well. You know, it started, we just had some good at-bats. I thought, you know, it started with Vic Caratini having a having a really good at-bat and long at-bat and drawing a walk. We got him in the stretch and, you know, I just, just good at-bats after that. The Brewers go for the sweep today with Colin Ray on the mound. Our coverage starts at noon with Brewers warm-up for a 1-10 first pitch. Only one game in the NBA playoffs last night. The start of the Western Conference semifinals between the Suns and the Nuggets, and it was all Denver in this one. Jamal Murray collected 34 points. Nikola Jokic had 19 rebounds in a 125-107 Game 1 win. Today, you've got Game 7 between the Kings and the Warriors from Golden 1 Center in Sacramento. Tip-off at 2.30 with the winner facing the Lakers. Also at noon, the Heat have their next series at the Garden taking on the Knicks. And finally, they can exhale in Toronto. Tavares coming out, sends it in a goal. They score! They score! Holy Mackinac, they score! Morgan Riley! Mo, Mo, Mo Riley! The Leafs have won it! They're going to the second round! Do you believe this? Joe Bowen's call on Sportsnet 590 as the Toronto Maple Leafs advance out of the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs for the first time since 2004. For WTMJ Sports, I'm Dominic Catronio. Thanks a lot, Dominic. It's 40 degrees. A little slippery out there. There's some accidents, so you better take it easy. We'll have your forecast right after this on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. We have scattered showers throughout the region. Uh, And that's going to continue throughout the day. It's going to be cloudy and breezy as well. 45 only for a high. Then tonight, we've got another chance of rain mixed in with a little bit of snow as we drop into the 30s. Tomorrow looks like that rain and snow mix will start out our day. It's going to be very windy with gusts up to 40 miles per hour and a high of 44 degrees. Tuesday, sunny and 48. Wednesday, mostly sunny and 52. And then we're back up around the mid-50s. By Thursday. Currently in Port Washington, it's 39 degrees. Richfield has 36. Franklin's at 42, and we have 40 degrees at WTMJ at 923. The following program, Commercial Real Estate Show, is paid for in full by Commercial Association of Realtors, Wisconsin. The advice and opinions expressed during the Commercial Real Estate Show are solely that of the hosts and guests of Commercial Real Estate Show, and not WTMJ or Good Karma Brands. Welcome back. We're discussing retail investment real estate with Kevin Schmolt with Newmark here in Wisconsin. Kevin, uh, we hear a lot about retailers closing, like Bed Bath & Beyond just made an announcement. What happens to all of those stores? Well, Tracy, in the past, when the headline read, you know, best, you know Bed Bath & Beyond is closing, that was perceived as bad news by an investor or by a landlord. Today, it's not necessarily good news because it comes with time and expense, but it's really viewed more so as an opportunity. The existing tenant was likely in place for many years, and it's pretty likely that their rent was below market. So a landlord has a new opportunity to adjust the rents, increase their pro forma to reflect modern and current rates. And they're probably going to have a long list of tenants to choose from, given the scarcity of space. Yeah, you mentioned that supply and demand uh, being a force uh, earlier. So... Now that COVID is behind us and you're kind of looking at all the changes that came as a result of COVID, talk a little bit about what you saw there. Yeah, I would say it's a shift or an acceleration towards neighborhoods and people maybe staying closer to home uh, more frequently, more days during the week. We've seen, for example, suburban restaurants who most commonly and historically had stronger nights and weekends who are now experiencing a surge of traffic during their day part, you know, more tables filled during lunch. And I think that's because some people are working from home permanently, some people are working from home flexibly, and they want to leave the kitchen table or their home office to have an experience uh, in their community. What about hours? I, I noticed that in my neighborhood, some retailers have really changed their hours. Yeah, the whole dynamic is shift, and it's in large part due to just consumer trends. If you're not going to the office first thing in the morning, maybe you're not going to the gym at 6 in the morning, but you're going to the gym over lunch. So we're seeing a shift in uh, participation and hours in every business category. Well, and even e-commerce was probably accelerated uh, as well during that time. So speaking of which, what types of new formats are you seeing, whether it's the way that 
that uh, restaurants or stores are laid out, or externally, what are some of the features? Well, if you're an investor and you own a shopping center, you're always looking for ways to add value. And as we've discussed, most of your storefronts are filled. So one opportunity that many landlords are capitalizing on is demand from outlet users. Outlots that may not have existed, uh, large parking fields that other than you know Thanksgiving and Christmas or the holidays go unfilled are now being utilized by other forms of occupancy. For example, a car wash or a coffee shop is taking that corner of the parking lot that's you know rarely filled with vehicles. Kevin, what types uh, you know of those new retailers? You mentioned car washes. Uh, new retailers or retail uses are you now seeing in the market, whether it was driven by COVID or not? Well, I thought Hakan Hare of Founders 3 Real Estate said it best at a recent market forecast. He characterized some of the activity in our market as the three C's, and that's chicken, car washes, and coffee. Uh, chicken obviously being restaurants like Chick- Chick-fil-A and more recently Raising Cane's, which everyone is pretty excited about. Obviously car washes, which we've discussed, which aren't like the car washes you've seen in the past of you know self-service, fully automatic. These are tunnel-style, membership-driven car washes. And then coffee as well. I represent a group called Seven Brew Coffee, who's drive-through only, uh, expanding throughout the country, but opening up dozens uh, here in Wisconsin. Their first location is opening up next week in Brookfield, and it will be coffee like you've never seen in our market in terms of speed and efficiency. It's drive-through only. There's no interior dining. It's customer service forward. But the goal of their concept and others in their category is to get you in and get you out quickly. Well, and that's interesting with the drive-throughs. I mean, that also impacts the staffing ratios and the hours and, and all kinds of other things that you can't do when you don't have a drive-through. So, I mean, drive-throughs are mandatory right now, aren't they? They are. And some municipalities have historically been adverse to drive-through uses, mm-hmm. and many have now recognized the shift in demand from the consumer and the shift in trends in the industry and are more flexible in approving drive-through concepts in their communities. Great. Uh, so, you now speaking of chicken, speaking of car washes, speaking of all these kind of different restaurants and and even retail types, who are you seeing that is expanding in southeast Wisconsin? Anyone nationally that we can get our our arms around? I think people are most excited about, I guess to choose one, I would say Raising Cane's. Okay. Uh, It's a chicken finger concept that's popular in other regions that people uh, get very excited about. Their competitor as well, uh, Chick-fil-A, also expanding. Interesting to look at their uh, first drive-through only concept in Glendale mm-hmm. that seems to be off to a just a wild success. And I'm sure you'll see more drive-through only concepts uh, from both Raising Cane's and Chick-fil-A. What about any you know soft goods retailers? I would say it's a category that's a little bit slower right now. It's still a category where there's demand and there's interest. But it pales in comparison to what we've seen from quick service restaurants, drive-through uses, and outlet users. Are you seeing regional and local retailers taking up space, or is this really being driven by national credit tenants? It's all categories. It's uh, and I wouldn't. I would add to that list franchisees mm-hmm. as well, which you know is also a locally owned business. We're seeing it across all segments. We're seeing. Uh, an interesting amount of private practices leaving, uh, you know, major healthcare systems to open up sure. in storefronts. We're seeing franchisees uh, with a willingness and a wanting to expand, and some frustration for a lack of available space. We're seeing new to market concepts, both you know, national and franchise. It's uh, it's going to be exciting, and that's why you know, conversations around the dinner table amongst friends are uh, increasingly um, focused on on me. Yes, I, I love that. And, and opportunity. You're so optimistic. So final thoughts, Kevin. Uh, thoughts for those who are maybe looking to invest in retail real estate or lease a space? I would say if you're interested in investing in shopping centers, uh, it's welcomed, but you might be a little bit late. Uh, it's a an asset class that many are focused on right now, and uh, we'd love to help you with that. If you're a tenant who's interested in, in expanding, uh, I welcome your enthusiasm, and we are certainly a part of many. However, uh, patience is a virtue. Spaces that we're leasing are oftentimes filled by another tenant. You're not going to see many for lease signs. And the key to finding new opportunities is developing good relationships with brokers who are aware of landlords who are looking to transition to space. That's great final thoughts. Thank you, Kevin Schmolt, Managing Director for Newmark here in Wisconsin. And thank you to everyone for being with us today. I'm Tracy Johnson on the Commercial Real Estate Show. For more information and market insights, visit carw.com. It's 930, 40 degrees at WTMJ News right after this, right here on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News.
to the final half hour of Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. I'm Libby Collins. It's 41 degrees at 938. Well, if you've ever sat through one of those timeshare sales pitches, you know it's hard to get out. Joining us is Lisa Schiller from the Better Business Bureau. But Lisa, you were also an investigative reporter for Fox 6, and you actually had the experience of sitting through a lot of these sales pitches. I did actually, Libby. Yes, years ago, I did a lot of hidden camera work and these 30-minute presentations or hour-long presentations, I can tell you from experience, last a lot longer than that. So be careful. What were some of the things that you discovered then and subsequently, since working with the Better Business Bureau, the consumers need to watch for if they're going to listen to one of these pitches? Right. Well, first of all, you'll be offered anything to sit through a pitch. You might be offered, you know, free dinner, tickets to a show, excursions, that type of thing. They'll promise that it's a short little presentation. It's really, in my experience, an aggressive sales pitch, and it can last, again, hours and hours. And a lot of times people become tired, they become hungry, and they just want to get out of the presentation. And oftentimes I've seen through complaints that consumers will often sign the dotted line just to be done with the whole presentation. So you have to really be careful. These salespeople are very polished. They've done this many, many times, and they know exactly what to say and do. They kind of become your friend. They spend a lot of time finding out what your likes and your dislikes are and playing on a lot of those likes. You know, the sunshine and the palm trees or the destination vacations, Europe, whatever it is that you might like that they hit upon. And that's where you could kind of fall for something that you might not be so sure of what you're getting yourself into. That's why research is key. Timeshares and vacation rentals, when you sign on the dotted line, are they for life or is there a time limit on what you're buying? Good question, Libby. I'm glad you asked that. Yes, a lot of people don't realize that when you sign any contract away from the place of business, you do have three days to cancel. That's the three-day right of rescission. It's a national law. And oftentimes these contracts for timeshares are signed in a hotel room or a lot of times sometimes in an airport away from the place of business. So you do have three days, legal business days, to cancel a contract, but you have to do it the right way. You have to put that cancellation request in writing. I would keep a copy for yourself. Make sure it's stamped and post-dated by the third business day. But a lot of people don't realize that once you do buy it, and yeah, you know, maybe the first or second year, it's great. But then you start getting fees every year that you have to pay, whether you use it or not. That's right. People pay maintenance fees and annual dues for these timeshares on top of the amount of money that it costs to buy a timeshare. And in the Better Business Bureau's newest study release on this topic, we found out that the average price is approximately a little over $24,000 for a timeshare. So we're not talking quite a bit of money. On top of the maintenance fees and the annual dues, which go up nearly every year from what we hear from consumers, you really have to be careful because there's a lot of money involved that I think people don't even realize. What about when you get to that point where you find out, yes, you know, maybe you bought something near Disney or Universal because you had little kids and it was a great vacation, but then you get to a point where they don't want to go anymore. They're old, they're on their own, and you want to sell it. How difficult is it to sell a vacation rental or a timeshare? Very, very difficult. And this is where those timeshare exit companies come into play. So, you know, we saw, especially in the mid-2000s, all of these companies started popping up, offering to sell people's timeshares. They were asking for upfront fees. They were giving promises and guarantees that they couldn't keep. And they weren't transparent. They weren't advertising ethically. And this is where we started to see a whole new slew of complaints start to come in to the Better Business Bureau and various agencies. It's very difficult to sell a timeshare. I would say to anybody that's interested in selling a timeshare that they might have, to speak with an attorney and or a real estate agent and go about it that way. Lisa, finally, when you were doing undercover work for Fox 6 on these timeshares, what was the most outrageous thing that you heard from one of these salespeople in terms of a promise of what you were going to get? Well, you know, I think I would have to say that the price started really high and they just wouldn't let me go. They just went down in price until it was a fraction of what they originally wanted to charge me because they didn't want me to leave. They wanted to make that sale. So starting out with 18000 and going down to six or $7,000, it was interesting. They bring different people in when I would say, no, not interested, or I just can't really afford that. 
Um, then they would put me on hold for a minute and they'd walk away and bring back another sales agent or somebody higher up. And so the price would just keep changing. Uh, Very interesting. All right. If anybody out there thinks that they've been taken advantage of or that they're thinking about getting a timeshare vacation rental and they want to know that they're going to ask the right questions, how can they learn more? Well, first of all, you can go to the Better Business Bureau's website. We have thousands and thousands of free reports. So always check on a resort or a timeshare company first, bbb.org. And of course, contact our office anytime at 414-847-6000. We're happy to talk to you. Lisa Schiller from the Better Business Bureau. Always great to have you on. Thank you so much, Libby. There's nothing more painful than sitting through a timeshare presentation. It is 944, 41 degrees at WTMJ. Well, expect a rainy day today. It's raining all over the area in various you know, just that scattered drizzle kind of thing, which was is why it told you uh, it's causing some slipperiness on some of those roadways. Uh, that's going to continue throughout the day with a high of 45. Then tonight, a chance with that snow mixed in with the rain, down to 36. Tomorrow looks rainy with the snow mix in the morning. It's going to be very windy, a high of 40 degrees. Uh or I'm sorry, a high of 44 degrees and winds up to 40 miles per hour. Tuesday, the sun comes back, 48 for a high. Wednesday looks mostly sunny and 52. And then Thursday, we've got another chance of showers, but at least we'll get up to the mid-50s. It's 41 degrees at WTMJ, 947, and we're a minute away from Dominic Catroni on sports. The NFL draft has officially come and gone. The Packers with nine more picks on the final day. Rounds four through seven went like this for the green and gold. Colby Wooden, a Dean Lyman from Auburn, quarterback Sean Clifford from Penn State, wideout Dontavion Wicks from UVA, another Dean Lyman and Carl Brooks from Bowling Green, cornerback Carrington Valentine from Kentucky, kicker Anders Carlson, another Auburn Tiger, Central Michigan running back Lou Nichols, Iowa State safety Anthony Johnson Jr., and wideout Grant DeBose from Charlotte round out the draft class. On the diamond, the Brewers hosting the Angels, and a big fifth inning propels them to victory. 0-2, line drive left field. That's going to get down for a base hit. Weimer is in. Yelich around third. Here's the throw home. Yelich is safe. It's a pinch hit. Two-run single for Jesse Winker. Lane Grendel on the call here on WTMJ. The clutch knock from Winker off the bench. Ballooned the lead to 6-1. to The Brewers would eventually win by a 7-5 to final aided in large part by a great start from Corbin Burns. Here's manager Craig Council. I mean, I thought Corbin was just solid today. It was just a solid start. Did a nice job. Located the ball well. Ball came out well. He got ahead a little more, I thought, as much as anything. So he kind of dictated counts more tonight. Corbin earns the win after six strong innings, only allowing one run and striking out five. The Brewers finish up the series with the Angels today. First pitch at 110. Our coverage will start at noon. And to the hardwood in the NBA playoffs yesterday, only the Western Conference semifinals underway. The Suns and the Nuggets game one in Denver. All Nuggets in this one, a 125-107 final. Two games today. First at noon, it'll be the Knicks and the Heat opening the series at the Garden for their semifinal matchup. And Game 7 in Sacramento, it's the Warriors and the Kings at 2.30 on ABC. Winner will face the Lakers. I'm Dominic Catronio, WTMJ Sports. Thanks a lot, Dominic. Coming up after this, we've got a preview of our conversation today. And uh, if you like wine, you'll want to hear it. WTMJ, W277-CV, and WKTI-HD2 Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is News Radio WTMJ, a good karma brand station. It's 9.53. I'm Libby Collins on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. 40 degrees. We're going to get up to about 44. That rain's going to kind of be on and off all day. Um, Why would somebody leave a successful career in the corporate world to work at a vineyard? Well, I asked Jocelyn Mentis about her motivation. I just love sharing our wine with people. So I love the whole experience of whether you're coming in for a tasting or maybe you're a regular and you come in every other week and you just have a glass of wine with your spouse or whoever, just kind of making that a great experience. We get a lot of people from all over. You know, we have people who are regulars who come from the Milwaukee area and they come out because they like the peacefulness of being in the vineyard. You know, it's beautiful, it's quiet, you can bring your puppy out with you and have a glass of wine so or a bottle. So you're dog friendly too. We are, yeah. we're dog friendly. But I just love creating that experience. 
And you can hear the entire history of a family vineyard just an hour away from Milwaukee on WTMJ Conversations today at 11 o'clock. It is 9.54, and we've got right after the news, Brian and David Wickard on the Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show. And Brian, I, you know, I have a friend who is looking for a home, and she said listings are in such short supply. It's really hard to find a house that suits her needs. And even when they find one, it's like that competition thing is really there. What are some of the creative things you're seeing people do to get that house that they want? Uh, I'm going to flip that question over to David, who's (laughs) right there on the front lines of mortgage lending and home buying every day. What, What are we seeing, David? All right, so Libby, this is not made up. These are actual examples, so I don't want our listeners to feel like we're just pulling this from the sky. I've seen two this last week. One, I'll buy your house and I'll buy you a case of beer, you know, <laughs> if you say yes. Probably of their choosing, you know, if they're a Miller Lite kind of guy or gal or whatever their preference is. The other innovative one that I just saw, um, seller has a chicken coop, and so the buyer offered... <laughs> to buy them a new chicken or baby chick to add to their chicken coop. We were talking about chickens a while ago. Somebody yeah. actually had a chicken coop and they wanted the house with the coop? Well, I mean, I think that, I don't know if the coop, I, I would imagine the coop will stay with the home. Maybe, Maybe the seller will take their chickens with them. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, do the chickens come with it? Exactly. Or at least a we chicken. Be, we cannot finance the chickens. Cannot just finance the chickens. I, I, I was going to say, or do they offer to buy you a chicken dinner? Uh, ooh, ooh uh, I know. Oh, sorry. Ooh, sorry. Yeah, I know that hurt a lot. The freshest. That yes. hurt a lot. How how are things right now as far as mortgages? What are we looking well, at? And it, you know, are, do you think this is going to be it? Is this the final rise of mortgage rates? Uh you never know for sure, but I, I hear we uh, will cover this in a little bit more detail during the show. But the general trend um, for the rest of the year is that mortgage rates uh, should gently decline. Oh, uh, they should May abate. Has, That's the word I would use. They will abate. Abate. Okay. Uh, Fannie Mae has the 30-year fixed rate going down to 5.5 by the last quarter of this year. And we're currently around six and a half, you know depending on how much you want to pay in in closing costs and everything else about your loan. um, We're in that range of 5.99 to six and a half. And so, you know, they're saying, Hey, it's going to slide down. Uh, The mortgage bankers agree. So the, the general trend, and that's because the world thinks that the American economy is going to slip into a recession, you know, where economic activity is lower. And that'll take the whole thing here, Libby, is about inflation has been. You've heard us talk about that all year. And fortunately, inflation continues to creep downward, inch downward. I guess you yes. creep up, inch down. Well, so but Dad, the, the, the key, Libby, as you were you know talking about your friend, for buyers, rates are not holding are not holding any buyers back. And I know that sounds. Uh, hyperbolic but truly it's not it is dad like you said last week holding maybe some sellers back from sticking the for sale sign in their yard so maybe as rates come down a little bit more sellers will list their house for sale and that'll help alleviate some of our listing problem Uh, i asked that of a top-notch agent in waukesha county like hey what's going on with you know listings and she said yeah that's the big problem and i asked her what rate does she think we need to be at and uh she said something in in the fives would lower. be helpful lower fives yeah lower all right we, we got all that and more coming up right after the news and we'll be listening to brian and david on the acunet mortgage and realty show i'm libby collins